Jesus, it's so amazing to be in your presence. We love it. We, we love how you speak and how you move. We're so grateful for worship, uh, musicians. Ollie, what a great guy leading us. Father, thank you for gifting. Thank you for beautiful singing and, and playing of instruments. Thank you for the gifts that you bring. Thank you for your word. Why wow, it so stirred us as we, as uh, Phil led us in, in looking at your word and your amazing love for us. It comes alive in our hearts, God. Jesus, we love singing about you. And then hearing Jacob, the mighty Swedish bear, just opening our eyes to the nations. Jesus, we remember that you died for the nations. You spoke about the nations right in the beginning. Going to make you multitude. Go and multiply. And, and we see the nations right at the end. See the throne. And standing before the throne are a multitude that no one can count. And from every tribe and language and nation and tongue. And when we have moments like that, it's like a foretaste of that which will be made perfect in heaven. And, and if... If that's going to be better, that's going to be amazing because this was pretty cool. So Holy Spirit, you have so worked in us over these days. I, I feel full. I feel so well fed. I feel like I've got more than enough to process, but you're able to work things into my heart and into my life and, and through me to others. And I pray that you do that with all of us. And I pray even in these next minutes that you would be putting more things, depositing more deposits, putting more seeds that are going to take root and put down deep roots that are going to get to the living water and going to begin to shoot through the ground, either in the, in the immediately as we get back or actually in the years ahead when the time's right. But Lord, I want those seeds to be there. And I want you to be bringing them forth at the right time. Holy Spirit, we need you tonight. Amen. I think when uh, Jakob, that's a really Swedish pronunciation, isn't it? I'm a Swede at heart. Um, I think when, when Jakob led us there, there was just something of the heartbeat of God pumping through. And uh, this evening we're talking about reproducing. And here's the thing, we're not going to reach those nations unless we reproduce. That God's heart for us is that we reproduce. So I just want to tell you a little bit about uh, God's story with us as a Redeemer. I hope it'll, it'll help you and be an encouragement to you. And we'll, we'll come back to it a little bit through the rest of the evening. But before we moved to the Netherlands in the spring of 2010, we traveled over quite regularly from London. And on one of those visits, a friend of ours was, uh, I was just chatting with him. And as sometimes happens with prophetic people, prophecy and conversation kind of get mingled. Do you know what I mean? It's like a moment ago we were talking about the rugby. Now I'm pretty sure you're prophesying. I think, at least I hope, because that's pretty great. But he just suddenly started saying, Redeemer. It's going to be a strawberry plant which sends out shoots. European impact. I see Brussels. And then he kind of carried on talking about something else. 
I thought, no, I think that's significant. That, I, I want that because I felt such a, a, a stirring in my heart that we would be a church that gathers the nations of the world that God's brought to our city of The Hague and sends to the nations of the world. I just knew it. I knew in my heart that God had called us to be a multiplying church. And so when I heard that, I was like, yes. And, and that, along with many, many other prophecies, uh, we just write down because we want to honor prophecy. We never want to miss out on the blessing that comes with prophecy by going, that sounds interesting. God, that's great. You do that. And I carry on with life. But no, we write it down and we often come back to it in prayer meetings and say, God, you said this and now we want to grab hold of it and we want to test it and weigh it. And does this sit well with you? And, and God, do it. If this is you, do it. And so we knew that God had called us um, to be a multiplying church right from the beginning. God had spoken to us very clearly about a transferable culture that he was going to build in the church. And about uh, three years ago, we were praying as elders and uh, one of the elders just said, God, I pray that you'd give us 10 churches in 10 cities in the next 10 years. And uh, we didn't kind of stop the prayer meeting at that moment and, and go, what was that? But something kind of hit my heart as he said that. And I thought, I love that. That sounds great. And it was only actually in about a month later when one of the other elders said, hey, you remember that 10 churches, 10 cities, 10 years thing? And I said, yes, did it also land with you? And he said, yes. Absolutely, we feel this is of God. So we just started praying about it. And, and then we were thinking, well, where do we start planting? And Brussels had been in that very first prophecy before we even got to The Hague. But Brussels had continued over and over again, coming through in prophecies as God was speaking to us about being a multiplying church. And, uh, and not vaguely either. It wasn't just like I see a, a city in Belgium and uh, I see a Brussels sprout. Although we did get the Brussels sprout <laughs> prophecy. It, it, it was like a series of, of prophecies about Brussels the, last, Brussels. the last one being a guy saying, Chris, I see a map and there is the Hague on the map and there's Brussels on the map. And I see a line from the Hague down to Brussels. <laughs> I'm like, God's just making this really simple. It's, uh, it's difficult to ignore that. So, so we've been traveling into Brussels for the last four years, actually. We've been traveling into Brussels and just saying, God, will you prepare the way here? God, we want to be preparing the ground. We thought God speak to us about doing that, preparing the ground. So we would go in and pray. We'd take groups in with us and pray. We'd tell the church, hey, we're praying for this. We, we've really had Brussels on our heart. And it's been a great joy this year to send a fantastic family a couple of families actually from Redeemer down there and already they're gathering nearly 30 people in the city. Uh, it's fantastic to see Brussels beginning to get off the ground. Uh, at the beginning of this year we planted uh, Redeemer Delft. Uh, each church plant has got its own story. There's no one size fits all. Delft I don't think ever came through in a prophecy that I can remember. <laughs> But just as I, I would walk and pray from our house, I love prayer walking. You may notice I wander around quite a lot. I think I might just, I, I think I might be ADHD. I'm not sure. <laughs> but if I stand still, I just get fidgety. So it's like, actually, it helps me to pray by walking. And if I can't walk outside, I'll walk inside. So you may sometimes just see me wandering around. But as I was prayer walking, I would often end up in Delft. 
And as we were going, God, what are you calling us to? What does multiplication look like for us? I just felt God say, this is the city I want you to plant into. And so the end of January this year, we sent a whole load of people from Redeemer the Hague into Delft. And it's been amazing seeing what God's done. He's added so many people into it. It's an exciting adventure. Maastricht was not on our radar at all. Uh, there was another church there. And uh, unfortunately, things didn't work out with that other church. And one of the elders uh, left that church because he just felt, man, this church is going like this. And that's not what I've grown up with in New Frontiers. Those are not of the values, the kind of values we, we spoke about. That's not, that's, this is not moving in that direction. And so this family were, were very alone and very isolated, far in the south of uh, Holland, in this place called, this great city called Maastricht. And uh, just this week, connected with them. They were part of New Frontiers before we, part of New Ground. Uh, them and Dave and us said, why don't we start something in Maastricht? And so uh, that was a journey of praying for that, preparing for that. And they've just started meeting on Sundays and gathering about 20, 25 people, which is fantastic. People moving in from the outside, people living there going, we want to be a part of this. We love what's happening in Maastricht. And then Berlin was a, a different one as well. But uh, I got to know Pete and uh, Sarah a little while ago. If you like Pete, I hope you like Pete. He's a nice guy. But his wife is a hang of a lot nicer than him. So uh, we got to know Pete and Sarah a few years ago. And when I met him, I just thought, man, this is a quality guy. He, his heart is passionate for God. He's got a soft heart, but he's, he's gifted. This is a, God, what a great guy. I'd love to have something to do with him in the future. So I said, Peter. I'd love to be part of your story in some way. I just see the hand of God on you. And if there's any way I can get alongside you and bless you. And if you want to come and spend some time in Redeemer, you're welcome to. He's a very soft-hearted guy, but he is hard-hearted when it comes to the things of God. And so it took a long time for him to say yes, but eventually he did. And, uh, and he said, yes, I want to do that. And uh, again, together with um, Dave Holden and the New Grand team, uh, thinking, God, what, what is your plan for them? And then feeling a real heart for Berlin and thought, let's go for this. Let's do this. And so the beginning of this year, Pete and Sarah moved out to The Hague and they'll be with us until the spring of next year. And then they're going to go and plant an incredible church in Berlin. And we're going to be so excited to see what God does. I'm absolutely convinced God's hand is with them to do something magnificently Jesus glorifying in Berlin. So these are, this is a little bit of where we are at the moment, and, uh, and I'm very, very, very excited about what God is doing, but I was chatting to Phil uh, just before the last break, and uh, he was saying, hey, I'm encouraged when I hear stuff from Redeemer, and I'm going, yeah, I'm encouraged too, but it's a little, these contexts, like what I've just done, is a little bit like Facebook. It's kind of all the amazing stuff presented and the, the reality is sometimes quite different. It's like my wife and I just have an argument on Facebook and it's like, okay, you look like such a happy couple. Yeah, we were fighting just before that and immediately after that photo was taken, we carried on the argument. Sometimes it's like that with, is that just me or are you judging me? It's a little bit like that sometimes with church planting. And so while I'm incredibly grateful, I just love the adventure that God's got us on. I'm so grateful for 
the amazing, abundant grace of God. Man, there are some tough things and it's like, how are we going to work this out? And, and I'm feeling stretched, but God, I've, be, I've been so blessed by this conference. And Mike's word about sometimes letting things happen and not jumping in too quickly, I just felt, man, that's one of many things over these days where I've just felt, Chris, this is, I brought you here for this. And so, uh, yeah, things are interesting and challenging. And as someone said a little while ago, God is good and people are interesting. That's, that's, kind of, that's, that's sometimes a little bit like what I feel, and that's just looking in the mirror, let alone everyone else that we've got to work with. An interesting journey that we've come on in the, in the area of, of uh, being a reproducing church is that in the beginning, we just knew, God, we know you've called us to reproduce. That was a no-brainer. God, we know. It's deeply rooted in our hearts, and, and you've confirmed it over, over and over again in prophecy. But there are lots of ways of reproducing, and that's a little bit what we're going to come on to just now. What does reproducing look like for us? And yeah, we know it's church planting, but there's also multi-site. We think multi-site is fantastic. There's so much good stuff about multi-site, and multi-site is church planting. Although it's technically the same church, it's still church planting. And, and how do we do this and we were thinking well we love multi-site we think we think it'll also be church planning but we'll go with multi-site at first and so we would we were just taking these steps seeing these things getting established and it was becoming more and more complicated how do we hold this whole thing together and again we've just found prophecy to be something that is so helpful in the journey that God has got uh, us on in in reproducing and therefore your journey prophecy is very 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 important because it helps you to determine what does reproducing look like for you. And so uh, the key administrative guy uh, in New Grand is a guy called Dale Barlow. I don't know whether any of you know him. He's funny, he's sharp, he's administratively brilliant. So I think this is the guy we need to get help us just work out the challenging staffing of a kind of multi-site setup. And so he came in and said, well, I've read all of your stuff, Chris. We've often chatted about things. Uh, I've kind of gone through everything, but really, I've prayed for you, and this is what I feel God's saying. I think, okay, it's not exactly what I asked you to do, Dale, but that's cool. What do you think God's saying? And he said, I don't think you should be multi-site at all. I thought, okay, that's, that's interesting. He said, he said, Chris, the way that God has made you, I don't think suits multi-site. And I don't believe God's leading you in that direction. He said, to make multi-site work well, you raise up and delegate very effectively. And he said, you don't raise up and delegate very effectively. I thought, that's discouraging and that's not good with prophecy. <laughs> don't, that's, I'm paraphrasing what he said a little bit, but this is essentially what he said. You, you are not gifted to raise up and delegate. You're gifted to raise up and release. And so he said, I don't think you should do multi-site. I don't think God's leading you in that direction. And as he was saying, it was like, yes. It was this huge release of pressure from me. He said, I think you need to think about the three R's. Build a strong resourcing base in The Hague. Resource people, resource money, resource gifts. Build a resourcing base. Secondly, give responsibility to the people that are planting out. Don't take responsibility thought, man, that's, uh, that's brilliant. Thank you, God. That's so helpful. So you are planting the church and we are helping you. How can we help you? How can we support you? How can we get behind you? I just, that was a change of mindset, which massively helped me. And the third one, he said, build great relationships. 
This is Redeemer's story. It's not necessarily your story. But I want, I want you to know how a process happens of multiplication and the importance of walking with God through the process. In, the, in January, we had a family night where I said, Redeemer, we're finally ready to begin what we've been talking about and dreaming about. And in a couple of weeks' time, the Delft guys are all going to shift out. And let me just show you a diagram of how this is all going to work. And it was a multi-site diagram. And <laughs> I look back on it now going, God, I'm so sorry I confused everyone with that because we are not doing that at all now. And it's a little bit like... Sometimes we presume our road towards reproducing is just we have the end product vision and then Jesus lifts us up and carries us in a straight line. I think it's a bit more like a pinball machine. <laughs> and it's like we try this, no, it doesn't really work. But then, okay, we try this, it doesn't really work. Now, there is a danger if, if leadership is like this. I'm, I'm not talking about leadership which is like this. But I am saying by taking steps forward, you are going to sometimes bump against things that God goes, hey, I'm going to nudge you this way. I'm going to nudge you this way. You'll never bump against anything if you don't start walking forward. So God wants us sometimes to take steps forward, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. So that's a little bit of where Redeemer's story is uh, up until now, and I'm looking forward to a future of being able to send many more out. I, I love that. What a privilege to be involved in that. If we're going to see the nations gathered to Jesus, we're going to need to be reproducing churches. But we can write in the beginning of thinking about being reproducing churches, whether you're about to plant a church or you're currently leading a church or you're a part of a leadership of a church. There are some important things that we get straight about reproducing because there are big pitfalls in this area. Let me give you some examples. We can throw around phrases like healthy things reproduce. True or false? I think it's mostly true. But here's the thing. If we think about reproducing simply by throwing out phrases like this, it makes all the difference what you mean by the phrase, what you mean by reproducing. Because sometimes the people who use those phrases are the people who are planting churches or who are seeing their churches grow. And it's used in the sense of um, if you're not church planting, then you're not healthy. And that's not necessarily what is a good and right biblical attitude as we'll look at in the moment. All we can say when we hear people saying things like that or see people reproducing and we think, yes, it's, it's fine you talking about reproducing, but you're reproducing using other people as sheep. And so, it, lovely multi-site thing, but who's actually getting saved? And I'm, I'm kind of aware of this as well, seeing Redeemer really growing and thinking, I think quite a lot of the growth is because we're a cooler expression of Christianity than the church that they come from. And Jesus, I, I feel a bit uncomfortable with that. I mean, I know, God, you move people for good reasons, and, and, and that's okay. God, I want to let you be you, and you move people, and anyone who comes to us, we want to disciple well. And but I don't really love the idea of church growth that's simply Christians coming from other churches. And so we can get into wrong thinking, and sometimes we can pull apart a little bit. So those who feel like, man, we're getting it right, go, well, yes, healthy things reproduce. 
And that's true and also not true if you don't mean it in a biblical way. Or we can kind of move against that attitude and go, listen, you reproducing guys are essentially regurgitating. You're not creating new. And so you can talk all you want, but my slow and steady one convert every 10 years is actually achieving more than you. And you're justifying your lack of reproducing. So there's wrong thinking in both ways that we can get into here that God, I think, wants to just work in in our hearts. How do we get rid of wrong thinking? We go back to the Bible. This is always where we need to go back to. Not just with this, but with so many theological arguments, with so many issues facing us in living in a 21st century world, we can either be shaped by the world or shaped by the Word. And we need to be those shaped by the Word. It's very easy to become reactionary against what you don't like. Don't be primarily shaped by reaction. Be primarily shaped by what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? I, I mentioned it a little bit in my prayer. I love it right in the beginning. As God creates man and woman, He says He, he blessed them. Genesis 1.28. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Later, uh, God's speaking to Abraham. He says, indeed, I will greatly bless you. And I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. At the beginning of time, we see this promise to a few of great multiplication. God looking forward and he's saying, I want you to know in the future there is incredible multiplication. We see that multiplication in Revelation at the picture of the, the last time, before everyone standing before God. After this, I looked and behold, I saw a great multitude, Revelation 7, 9, that no one could count from every language and nation and tribe. This is amazing. The promise of multiplication, the end result of multiplication, and right in the, the kind of key moment of Jesus in the Bible, we see Jesus saying to his followers, Go and make disciples of all nations. And somehow that great commission in Matthew 28 is part of this promise of multitude and end result of multitude. This, this, this commandment of Jesus saying, go and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples. Somehow that becomes a key in this that was promised there. The promise or the command to go and make disciples is absolutely key in what it means to be reproducing because to make disciples is to see more people becoming Christians from every language and nation and tongue. Somehow following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, there is an anticipation of multiplication. This is what we see over and over in the Bible. Jesus didn't send out his disciples and say, listen, you're going to heal a few people and then you might tell people about me but no one's going to listen to you. You can just come back after you've healed a few people. There was anticipation of people going, yes, I believe that too. I believe, that. what can I do to be saved? There was an anticipation of fruitfulness. Even the wonderful, the parable of the sower, where it says some other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what it was sown. God has called us, John 15, to bear much fruit. He said, I've called you to bear fruit. I've appointed you to bear fruit. He didn't say, I've appointed some of you to bear fruit. He says, I've appointed you, my followers, those who are in Christ, to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. 
This is a promise to every believer. This is God's design for us that we would bear fruit. Now, I know that fruitfulness and multiplication and, and um, uh, what's the word we're doing here? Reproducing is, uh, I'm, this is, listen, this is the graveyard shift, okay? No one else wanted to do this. That's why I'm on now. So stay with me. Fruitfulness, multiplication, reproducing. Yes, it is about spiritual gifts. Yes, it is about the grace of God. But here's the thing. Yes, it's also about souls. It's also about disciples. God calls us as Christians to be caught up in his mission of seeking and saving the lost. And as we do that, reproducing happens, multiplication happens, the multitudes of revelation are built towards. This is what reproducing is based on. Jesus expects his followers to reproduce. So, in a sense, this is where I'm saying reproducing is healthy. Healthy churches reproduce because something is happening, which means people are coming to know Jesus. Now, remember what, we said, what I said yesterday, which is also important to remember. Reproducing doesn't look like the multitudes. The multitudes are in heaven. Jesus sorts out the multitudes. The multitudes for you now might be two. It might be 20. It might be 200. It might be 2,000 in your lifetime. Jesus determines the exact number. But as you reproduce, one into two, two into eight, eight into 20, whatever the reproducing grace God has given you, that will contribute to the multitudes. And one day you will have no less place than the person whose grace gift was many more than you. But reproducing is a natural thing that God calls us to expect. When there is an expectation of something, as we read in the Bible, faith comes. It's not just, go, oh, well, I read it and that's what I, I need to expect. No, as I read it, I can expect it and faith comes. There's a deposit of faith that, God, you've actually called me to something that's not about this church says this, but I don't really like the way they do that. And they're talking about reproducing, but I don't like the... No. Church, merch over there, whatever they say, I'm shaped by the Bible and this gives me an expectation which gives me a deposit of faith by the grace of God to say, God, I believe you for reproducing in my life. And I believe you for reproducing in the church that you've, got, you've called me to be a part of. Church planting, reproducing churches, is related to what I've been saying about reproducing disciples because it Church planting does not happen in isolation. Church planting doesn't just happen. Church planting happens as disciples are being made. At the heart of talking about being reproducing churches is the issue of reproducing disciples, raising leaders from those disciples. These two things go hand in hand. We can't talk about reproducing churches unless we're talking about reproducing disciples. And we can't talk about reproducing disciples unless we're convinced by, from Scripture that God's design is that as Christians we would be reproducing. And as churches we would be reproducing. I wonder whether sometimes we kind of miss God saying in Matthew 28, I've called you to make disciples, and we too quickly go to, well, I'm called to start churches. I think Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and start churches. Now, those things are completely interlinked because the disciples went and preached the gospel, saw disciples being made, and therefore started churches. They're not 
disconnected at all. But we can't just jump into, yes, reproducing churches unless we're convinced that we've got to see people saved and see a reproducing of disciples happening. I believe God wants us to grow in faith when it comes to reproducing. Even in the simplicity of what I've talked about, about Christians make Christians, disciples make disciples. The expectation of God for us to reproduce. Because some of us, and, and I'm very aware of this myself, have, have lived in a Christian world for so long. Our number of Christian friends and our number of people that we personally are interacting with, trying to lead them towards faith, is perhaps even a shrinking number. And some of us that are church leaders think, well, when I preach, I preach the gospel, and that's my interaction with seeing with non-Christians. Well, preaching at people is, or preaching to people, not even a negative thing, preaching is fantastic. Preaching to people is not necessarily an interaction. It is in some ways. But Chris, what about friends? Like, how many of your friends are you praying for? How many of your friends are you welcoming? This, this is a challenge for us, but God's saying, I'm, I don't want to make you feel heavy about it. Chris, I want you to lift your heart and your expectation and your faith that, yes, I have called you to reproduce. And yes, Chris, I've given you a gift that means that when you preach, the word of God is going to go out with the power of my spirit and people will respond to that. But Chris, I've got more for you than just that. God wants each one of us to be able to build friendships, to be able to reach out to people, to be able to love people, to be able to pray for people and expect, God, you're going to reproduce what you've put in me. Why? Because the spirit reproduces the word of God and people get saved. I would love us to aim high. I love the description in Acts where it says, and the Lord added to their number daily. Redeemer doesn't see that. I think I'd love to see that. I don't see that in my life yet. I'd love to see that. I'd love us to aim high. Jesus, I, I don't know what my measure of reproducing is. I don't know whether it's 100 or, or 60 or 30. I, I don't know if it's two. One to two is still reproducing. God, I don't know what my measure is, but I, I want that, Lord. I want it. I want grab hold of the reproducing that you've got for me. God, if it's only one person in my lifetime, I pray that they get saved really soon so they've got as much time as possible to reproduce themselves. But Jesus, if it's one, can I, can I be cheeky and can I have two, God? Can I have two? I just want more, Lord. I want more. Are you reaching out to God and grabbing hold of Him in, the area, in this area of reproducing, saying, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want more of your power working in me and through me. God, help us to expand our faith for what you want to do through us being reproducing people. As we think about seeing disciples being made and not just growing our churches larger and larger, gathering in larger and larger, but actually sending out, I'd love us to think about a couple of things. Here's one, the importance of partnering with others. What does reproducing look like in the Bible? Well, we see lots of partnering with, with one another as churches are planted, as multiplication happens. Reproducing churches has a lot to do with reproducing disciples that work together with apostolic gifts, with prophetic gifts, with pastoral, with evangelistic gifts, teaching gifts, with the gifts working together. We see the apostles operating in teams. I loved in the last session the reference from Acts chapter 13. It says, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. 
planting churches, reproducing is not about the superstar doing all the stuff. It's about the body of Christ working together to send out teams. It's about groups being appointing and blessing and praying for and groups going. There seems to be a lot of one anothering. Reproducing is about one anothering well. Churches didn't seem to come out of churches. Disciples and leaders came out of churches and they started churches. It's again this thing of church planning doesn't happen in isolation. It happens because of people. And people happen because God moves in us to reach out to one another with his love. We see in places like Antioch that it was an apostolic base where different gifts worked together and where people were sent out and churches were planted. Jerusalem was probably a very similar kind of base, a place where there was a base of gifts where people were trained up and then sent out. But wherever churches were planted, it seems to revolve around God bringing people together, leaders together, who were then sent on to go and plant churches. This is important because it begins to further shape the idea of what does biblical reproducing look like. It looks like partnerships. It looks like partnerships. I loved the last session. There was just everything that they were saying, that is so helpful, that is so helpful, that is so helpful. Church planting, reproducing in a biblical sense doesn't happen when someone goes, I'm off, I'm going to plant a church. It happens as someone feels the stirring of God in their heart. It happens as leaders say, hey, we see the hand of God on you. Would you consider this? It happens as the spirit comes and, and prophecy happens and person just goes, I believe that God, that's for me. It happens as groups get together and go, wouldn't it be amazing if we took the gospel to the town next door to us? God works in this way, but it's about people working together, partnerships. So me being in Cape Town, and Dave's saying, hey, Chris, do you want to come start a church in Holland? Uh, but I'm in Cape Town and realizing actually my time in Cape Town was so important to me for God to grow me and shape me and, and for God to put things in me which I wouldn't have had otherwise. And then the combination of Dave and Steve, who were good friends, and, and Steve saying, no, he's not ready yet. He needs to still keep on growing a bit. And Dave going, hey, what about Steve? He comes to us for a little while. And, and spends a bit of time with us. And then we send him and Steve going, okay, I think that's a good idea. And realizing, man, I was, I was so blessed to have different people inputting in me, being in different contexts, preparing me for what was coming next and preparing us as a family. Apostolic partnerships enable greater strength to happen, enable greater creativity, enable a greater network of relationships and support. And it's more biblical. This is what we read about in the Bible. God gives us territory that's uniquely ours, but he doesn't call us to be territorial. This is so important. No, this guy grew up in my church. We are going to send him to go and plant a church. Maybe you're not the best one to send him. Maybe God's saying, I want you to open your eyes to the apostolic family I've put you in and realize that there are others that are better suited at you at preparing that one or preparing those that family or pre preparing her to go and be a part of a team opening our eyes to the wider work is so important to us i love the story with pete and, uh, and sarah coming to us they were at east grinstead which is a small uh, town just out, outside london and they were part of a fantastic church they're part of a really fantastic church but thinking as we prepare to go to Berlin, actually a season in The Hague would be like a very helpful stepping stone to go. 
and the leader of the church in East Grinstead, Simon, wasn't going, sorry, Chris, he stays with me. He was going, do you know what? We want to get behind them financially. For the next three years, we as a church are going to give 10,000 pounds a year to these guys to help the church get started. I'm thinking he's got something of an idea of what it means to be planting together apostolic partnerships working together and the new ground family of churches are going do you know what we're going to do that too 10,000 a year as we as churches give into a fund we're going to do that too and, and Redeemer's going to do that too and all of a sudden Pete and Sarah go not just with with Chris that would be a horrible thing no they go with Chris and with new ground and with East Grinstead and with the new ground apostolic team and others who are connecting in with the story and you guys who now know about it so you've got to pray about it so it's like <laughs> That's amazing. They go with so much greater strength because of apostolic partnerships, which happened. I, I said to Dave, who uh, used to lead New Community Church in London until he handed over a couple of years ago. New Community Church, when I was there seven years ago, was about 350 people. They've grown to about 500 now. It's a fantastic church. Uh, but they were reasonably small. And I'm thinking, Okay, Dave's a pretty amazing leader. He's led this church for like 20 odd years, 30 maybe. I can't remember. I should know. I don't know. But he's led this church for ages. He's an amazing guy. And 300 people or 350 people is, is like, it's great, but I kind of would have expected more church plants and stuff. And yet, this is, this is so important. I said to him recently, I emailed him, I said, Dave, how many people have come out of New Community Church that have either started churches, led churches, or are elders in churches? 37 that he could think of. I'm like, that's a reproducing church. Now, now, they, are, now they are planting, but I'm like, actually, you've got decades of reproducing, but you stayed reasonably kind of middle-sized, and, and there weren't lots of flashy church plants coming out of you, but my goodness, you've reproduced. Why? Because you've raised up leaders working with apostolic partnerships and you've sent them out. And quite a few of the people that have gone out have planted again and again and again. People like Anthony Henson have gone out and planted five churches, all of which are still going. And thinking, there's not a lot of razzmatazz around new community, but what happened there was leaders were raised up, disciples were raised up, and they were sent on. Apostolic partnerships enabled amazing things to happen. Raising disciples that go on to other churches or go on to start other churches, go on to help lead other churches is incredible. So I'm in the room now with our friends from Burko. And Chet leads the church there. And I'm thinking a lot of our original team in The Hague, which continued to be a lot of our core team now, seven years ago came out of his church. They've got a heart to be a, a, a resourcing church. Do you know what? Not only have they resourced The Hague amazingly, absolutely remarkably with the quality of people that they gave us in the beginning, some of those people were part of the original team into Delft. God has so blessed us in The Hague from them, but they've also gone out from us and are blessing other contexts. I'm thinking about there's a small town called Matuba Tuba in South Africa. Where was the guy leading that? Where was most of his discipleship done? In Burkhor. What about the guys leading in Peterborough? Some of you know an absolutely fantastic guy there. He was from Burkhor, and then he went to Rebek, and now he's there. But actually, this church is resourcing, it's reproducing, because it's seeing leaders raised up and planted out. We need to expand our mind of what 
apostolic partnering can do to make churches reproduce. We're called to be part of apostolic families. And understanding our role and being okay with that is really, really important. We need to be open-handed with one another. Seeing the hand of God on people and thinking, God, what are you doing there? How can I get behind what you're doing in that person? And either be releasing them to someone else or be releasing them to something else. Getting them started into different things. So we find reproducing is all about people. It's not so much... First thing is, that means lots of churches need to get planted. No, first thing is, God, your glory, your call on men and women that you've brought into my sphere of influence. God, how can I hold them like this and set them free into all that you've called them to do? New converts, people that are Christians already, they don't become ours. They become, God, they've always been yours. And actually, how can they bless your kingdom mission in the best way possible? So I, I was so convicted a couple of days ago when I, when I read about how it's so easy to think, how can I recruit leaders? And I'm always thinking that. I'm like, who's got great leadership gifts? How can I get them into a Redeemer? It's actually, God, help us to raise up great leaders and send them out. Not how can we recruit more and more great leaders into our context. But developing leaders, developing disciples generally, and God puts a leadership anointing on disciples, becomes incredibly important. It's about developing people and releasing them to be all that God has called them to be. As we pursue the call of God on ourselves, on our own lives, on the churches we're in, God will bring leaders to you as disciples are being made. As we're faithful, God making disciples, God will be bringing leaders to us from the disciples that he's making among us. We're not just looking to recruit leaders, we're looking to raise up leaders and let them go, even our best guys. So I say to Pete, Pete, you are welcome to ask anyone in Redeemer to come with you to Berlin. Go for it, ask anyone. And as soon as he's left the room, I'm phoning all the key guys saying, if he asks you, say no. There's no ways you're going. I'm joking about it. But when we see our key people go, that's painful. We're in the season now in The Hague. It's been so exciting sending out loads of people like, yeah, go for it, Brussels, go for it, Dolph. Whoa, 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 that's our key worship leader. That's, that's our key kids workers. And man, we're feeling the stretch. So like once a month now, we're not able to do kids work in there because we don't have enough kids leaders. And yet God's also doing something in the church of bringing people through that we weren't seeing before. But God's bringing them through now because gaps have been created. But I wish we just skipped the gap moment, okay? <laughs> That's part of the stress. But are we prepared to just go, God, these people belong to you. I want to be a releasing person, not a holding back person. Our role as leaders is to align ourselves with what God is doing with people and be a blessing to that, not think how can they be a blessing to this. We as fathers, those of you who are fathers, mothers as well, the same thing would count. We raise up our kids, not so they would stay with us until old age, though sometimes there are circumstances where that's appropriate, but we raise up our kids with the ideal that they would leave home and become parents themselves. Why do we treat the church differently? My measure my call, my anointing, my place within the visible picture of what God is doing 
oh no, God, it's not my position. What can make me look good? What's going to make me feel secure? God, you make me feel secure. I want to hold people as you hold them. I want to release people as you do. I want to see what you're doing in people. I want to raise people that are going to be able to go off by themselves and carry on what they've seen here. We get alongside what God is doing and we support that. And that's going to look different with different people. So as we reproduce churches, it's because we reproduce leaders that God has put his hand on for leadership. But we deal with people according to how God's dealing with them. I was laughing earlier, uh, Morris was saying, you know, I'm, I'm unwilling, kind of not unwilling, but what was the first, this is unnatural for me, it's, I'm not super comfortable standing up in front of people and, and kind of leading, and God's really had to work in me, so I lean into that. We have, there'll be leaders like Morris, who you need to get alongside, put your arm around and go, man, God is with you. Mary, John, God is with you, go for it. And then there'll be some leaders like me, Hey, Chris, come and plant a church in Holland. Yes, I'm your man. I can do it. No, he's not ready. Whoa. Steve, that's so painful. Man, Chris needed that. God, what are you doing with that leader? Am I getting alongside them, supporting what you're doing, encouraging them, go for it? Am I getting alongside them, encouraging what you're doing, saying, hey, my friend, you've still got some growth to do. But our role as leaders is not to be God over people. It's to get alongside what God is doing with people. That means that our attitude towards both the encouragement and the correction becomes very, very important. Some of us need to learn to release a little bit better. We need to have a bit more of a can-do culture in our church. Oh, you can't do that. Have you thought about this and this and this? Have you prepared this? Is this in place? Have you thought, done your risk assessment here? Is that possible? No, you can't do it then. No, default, go for it. Now, I'm not saying abdicate leadership, but some of you need to move in the direction of can do because you're too much and can't do at the moment to open your hand in your leadership. I would rather be working with people that are a bit too keen to move quickly and I sometimes have to slow them down than to be working with a whole lot of people that are too scared to do anything because they think, no, Chris is going to shut this down as soon as it starts because he can't control it. We're not going to be able to control everything because we're not God. Open hand, open hand, open hand. Open hand does not mean I abdicate good luck. Open hand means, Jesus, this person's not mine. I want to I just see things happen. I want to see you germinate stuff. I want to see you watering things. I want to be an open-handed leader. We won't reproduce if we're holding on to people. Sometimes we want people to be the finished product before we let them go. So this is sometimes a big thing. That person's not ready. They can't go. When will they be ready? I'll know when they'll be ready. Here's the thing. You might not be the person to make them ready. Maybe they need to be somewhere else. It's a bit humbling sometimes when we realize we can't bring everyone through to a place of readiness for church planting. Sometimes we need to take a risk because if we think about it, someone one day took a risk on us. 
Jesus, I don't see everything. I want your view. I want to get behind what you're doing. Although it's very important not to run ahead of the Holy Spirit, it may, it may be possible that we're not in danger of running ahead of the Holy Spirit at all. We're simply standing still in the name of not wanting to run ahead of the Holy Spirit. A bit like Mike said in that previous session, God seems to sometimes lead us into challenges in order to teach us stuff that we wouldn't have learned had we not begun the journey. Some of you are going to need to not so much open your hand, but be a bit better with how you manage an open hand with people. I think sometimes I'm very open-handed. Yeah, go for it. God's with us. Yeah, work out. Boom. Actually, what I need is I need people around me that help me with process, that help me with structure. Chris, love the way you're releasing. But how are we helping him? Oh, I don't know. God's going to help him. No, no, Chris. <laughs> God will help him, fortunately. But we need to get a process in place. We need to get support structure there. Some of us are going to need to make sure that we're releasing well that the people are being taken care of, taken care of, they're being fed back to, that they're being fathered through the process. I often think in this of, of Joseph's brothers and uh, how they had this pipsqueak of a brother who unfortunately heard from God, had dreams that were from God, dreams of being a great person to whom they would be second to. How should have Joseph's brothers responded? Hey, Joe, fantastic God speaking to you, buddy. I just love it, the hand of God on you. I'm excited to see what God does. I'd tone down a little bit on the boasting. It's not super helpful. And God's going to grow you there quicker if you learn some humility. But Joe, I love you. I'm, I'm for you, my friend. That's how brothers should have reacted. That's how Jesus reacts with us. Let's lead leaders like that, not like the brothers did behave. Not happy about you thinking you're more important than me. I don't like it that you think that you might go further than me. I don't like it that, that somehow you're more gifted than me. No, Jesus, Lord, may we raise up, this is a prayer. Lord, may we raise up leaders that are far more gifted than us. May we never hold back because of selfishness or because of insecurity or because we feel threatened god may we raise up leaders that run much further than us lord we i pray tonight lord that that in unity of heart we would say and you'd hear us because you promised you'd hear us that lord jesus the leaders that we raise up would stand on our shoulders and would go much further than we've gone jesus that's what we ask this is, as we finish off this is the last thing Something that perhaps many of you are not thinking about yet, but it's important that this gets into your DNA. It will just be quick, but it's an important one. I want you to guard your heart. We haven't gone with the order here. I hope that's okay. But I want you to guard your heart. Because as we think about reproducing, this is how we often think. And this will relate to some of you more than others, but it's important that we all hear it. Um, as we think about reproducing churches, it's very easy to think... I will lead something that raises up leaders, that sends people out to start new churches, 
and I'll oversee that whole process. I'll kind of move from being a local church leader to being maybe a bit more of an apostolic kind of leader that oversees processes. And without necessarily talking about it, that can be the mindset that we can have. The problem about that mindset is that it can easily become my kingdom come, not thy kingdom come. We can put ourselves at the center of a picture where God says, actually, this is my story, not your story. And so it's just the danger that maybe some of you are going, Chris, I have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe it's leaders perhaps a little bit more like me that are a little bit more like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. Choose me. Yeah, I can do it. Think, oh, no, of course. Yeah, I'll just oversee them then. Oh, no, Jesus, it's your church. You put me wherever you want. I'm in the boot, remember? I'm not even chipping in from the back seat going, hey, I think you, no, I'm in the boot. You can't even hear me. Jesus, you just do what you want. It's important because it can trip us up big time later. It can sound good. Yeah, good. Well, fantastic. And then I'll oversee them. And, but if it's not Jesus's call on you, it's not good for you and it's not good for them. And are we beginning again to close our hands around my precious ministry or no, God, this is yours. Reproducing, it's got to come from you because if it doesn't, we're all going to get hurt. Jesus, you lead us forward. Maybe sometimes we're not sure. I don't know if I'm going to oversee it or not. That's probably most people. And that's okay. That's okay. But in that not sureness, just keep on saying, God, I'm opening my heart to you. God, I'm submitting to you. The leaders you've put over me, Jesus, give them great wisdom. Give us unity of heart. What does this look like? I don't know, but Jesus, I'm putting you first. We send out disciples and it's up to God what he does with those disciples in terms of apostolic oversight. Now, again, that doesn't mean we abandon our responsibility to help them through that process, but it means it's not our process. It's God's. And we need leaders around us to help us with that. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in good time. Maybe he will lift you up to something that looks like apostolic leadership, or maybe it'll look a little bit different. But either way, he is going to lift you up into the best possible future that he has for you. That's amazing. It's a little bit like, I prefer his territory than my territory. And God goes, not only are you going to keep on bashing your head because you're going to try and do something that you're not meant to do, you're going to miss out on the fullness of joy that I've got for you in your territory. As we reproduce, open-hearted, open hands, God, help us to reproduce people, reproduce disciples. God, help us to grow disciples, have faith for that, expectation, because that's what we read in the Bible. God, help us to be those who raise up leaders and see them released. God is with us.